0: Hey, hey, BA fam! It's time for the BA QA, the BA QA. Just with Manday, no Tiffany today. Tiffany is still feeling under the weather, so we sent her all of the virtual cups of ginger lemon tea with a little bit of honey, so that she feels so much better. But I got y'all. I got y'all. I am in the hot seat today, and I am here to answer some really juicy career questions. If y'all want to have your answers answered, or sorry. If y'all want to have your questions answered on BA, you know what to do. Head to our Instagram, Brown Ambition Podcast on IG and slide into our DMs with your question. Use a fun pseudonym. If you want to be anonymous, that's fine. We love all of your questions from career to money to investing to business questions. We love them all. Just a reminder, though, I am your financial bestie, right? I am not your financial guru or your financial planner. So bring those salt shakers out and get ready to take everything I say with a little bit of salt. Because obviously, I'm never going to know everything about your situation, right? But I will do my best to give you you guys all the juicy insights that i can offer to help you through these career conundrums all right let's kick things off with our first question from paradise paradise sent us an email and by the way you guys can email us your questions at gmail.com. paradise has an interesting question for her sister All right. She says my sister is in her 50s and has been working in fuel assistance, helping individuals and families get fuel for their homes during the winter. She's been doing this for 19 years. She would like to move on to a new position, but she doesn't have a college degree. What strategies can you provide for landing a job without a college degree? Also, she's fearful of leaving her job because she'll be leaving her job and financial security. How can she overcome these fears? Thanks in advance. Oh, Paradise! You're a good sister. Alrighty. So, first of all, I think there's a couple of things working here. She's been there for nearly two decades. So at that point, you start to like lose confidence that you're able to do anything else anywhere else. And I think in order to build her confidence, my solution is get her interviewing. So whatever she can do to get her her resume out there, build a LinkedIn profile if she doesn't already have one. I mean, the fuel assistance industry or just the fuel industry in general. Um, Um, I believe, you know, this is a a pretty cool niche. And for for example, I live in the Northeast and there's all kinds of fuel companies because so many of the homes here are still powered by oil. And I think with 19 years of experience, I mean, she must have a lot of knowledge and expertise that would be really valuable to some of these companies that have been around for a long time and would love to hire a veteran. The thing is, because she's been there for nearly 20 years, she needs to build up her confidence. So that's why I'm immediately saying, let's get her noticed by these these jobs. Let's get her applying. Let's get a LinkedIn profile created for her so that she can actually attract some attention from recruiters who are on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is their Google, y'all. When they're searching for job candidates, that's their number one stop, right? And how are they going to find you if you're not there to be found? So she can overcome these fears by building her confidence. So let's get her on LinkedIn get her sending her resume out for opportunities. Maybe you can even help because you're such a nice sister. Maybe you can even help find some jobs that she would qualify for and help her submit some applications. She's only going to start feeling more confident when she gets into those job interviews and starts killing it. And then she realizes, oh, I actually do know my shit. I'm able to answer these questions with authority and with knowledge. And I feel like College degree or not, I am well qualified for these roles. And at this point in her career, with nearly 20 years of experience, I think that she'd be able to get a job not having a college degree. It's going to be based on her expertise. Now, listen, I have a four-year college degree. I don't have an MBA, and yet I'm a business owner. You know, I don't have a PhD, and yet I call myself a career expert, a negotiating expert. It's not because of the paper that I've collected along the way. It's because of my experience, right? The fact that I can speak from a place of authority and share credibility. And your sister is going to be able to do that as well. If she can discuss herself in a way that makes them forget all about the fact that she doesn't have a piece of paper and five-figure student loan debt to go with it. She needs to be able to talk about her experience and share, you you, know, you don't really give me much information about what her exact skill set is or what role she's in. But with 19 years of experience, I would just be shocked if she wouldn't be able to hold a really strong conversation highlighting those skills in the interview. Um, but I wish you all the best. I think that you are the best. I don't know this this is giving like little sister energy. <laughs> I don't know. But the best little sister ever for looking out for a big sis. And listen, at the end of the day. Confidence comes like one little tiny morsel at a time, and it's by taking those baby steps. So help her with the resume, getting that maybe dusted off or even created. You know, if she's been in this job for 20 years, she may not even have an updated resume. But there's plenty of templates you can use online to create one and then start applying so that she can actually hear directly from recruiters or hiring managers that she is actually someone they would be interested in hiring. And then she will start to overcome that fear of leaving and start to realize that even though her job feels stable, she has options and she has options to be getting paid a lot more. All right, Paradise. Thank you so, so much. Hey, keep us posted Let us know if your sister ends up applying for any new roles and getting some interviews and what happens next. We love, love, love y'all's update. All right, let me take a quick break and I'll be back with more BAQA. Hey BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm.
1: Indeed! Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed.
0: Soraya says, I hope you're doing well. Here's my question. I'm about to graduate with a social work master's degree and I'm applying for jobs. Do you have any recommendations for doing salary negotiations when you're someone who works in social services? I got Mandy's Nail the Negotiation Scripts Guide. Thank you, Mandy. But she talks about negotiating equity and I'm not sure if that's even on the table because I'm mostly applying for university and nonprofit jobs. Also, do you know what it means when a salary range is not posted in a job offer? Soraya. Okay, Soraya girl, so much to unpack here. So one of the reasons why I felt like, you know, really connected to this question is a lot of my clients and honestly, a lot of women in color in general, we are drawn to these service industries. We have big hearts. We want to help. Y'all know Tiffany got her start as a preschool teacher and I've been a dirty capitalist from the beginning. So I'm very different. (laughs) Without securing that back, my whole career, no. But in all seriousness, in my business now, I serve women of color who are trying to over, you know get into a position where they can increase their earnings and find new career opportunities. So I'm very much in the service space as well. And of course, through the show, we're all about helping people. And that is extremely noble, right? It is important work. Unfortunately, the work that we do, especially in the service space, is not always valued the way that it should be. That being said, I don't want people who are in the service industries or service professions to immediately tell themselves a story that starts with, I'm never going to earn that much. I chose this path. And this path is probably not going to lead to a decent earnings. Now, this may be the perception that you have. And hey, certainly, if you know people in the social work space, they will tell you that it does not pay extraordinarily well. That being said, I do still think there's some things you can do to give yourself a stronger position when you're negotiating. Now that you've got your master's, which I know is like the bare minimum, or one of the minimum requirements for advanced Advancing in a career in social work. Like, I know that probably wasn't cheap, Soraya. Okay, so let's go ahead and say that it's worth trying to negotiate because you know the stakes are high, that you have maybe some student loan debt that you want to pay down, and you really want to get the most you can out of this degree. So, my number one. Um, recommendation for you is to really hit the interview market hard and try to drum up as many job offers as possible, like a couple, okay, maybe three more if you can, because leveraging job offers against one another is one of the best ways to negotiate, especially when you're not someone who's currently employed and you're someone who doesn't really have a sense of what your market value is because you haven't been working and you haven't acquired that job yet. Does that make sense? So as you're applying, you want to be taking those interviews, even the ones that maybe are not your top, top choice, and killing it. You know, making them really excited to hire you so that they are giving you a generous offer. And then, if you have multiple offers on the table, then you can start to leverage those against one another. So, for example, I have a client named Jasmine who I met last year, and she's wonderful. She also worked for a university as a researcher. And at the time, she was making like $50,000. And she suspected that she was underpaid, right? But she wasn't sure. So I encouraged Jasmine to start job searching, applying, putting herself out there. And a few months later, she had three different job opportunities on the table at the same time. And now this is a little bit where luck plays in, and timing, right? So she happened to get the three final offers for these roles within the same week of each other, okay? And so that meant when offer one came through, she could tell them, hey, I need some time to think about it because I've got two more offers on the table. And when she got the other offers, she was very quickly able to say to offer one, no way, even at 73k, which is 20k more than I'm making, it's not good enough for me. And so she went to offer number two. And offer number two negotiated a little bit, they got her up to 90k. So she's already confirmed like oh wow I am really underpaid for my for my for my value in this market so that was good confirmation but still she had a third offer on the table so maybe whereas she would have been. Excited over the moon for that 90K offer originally, she waited for offer number three to come. Offer number three came in very close to offer number two. And what she said is, Well, I've got offer number two on the table. I'm really excited about your offer, though. Is there anything y'all can do to increase the compensation? And they blew her away. They added like 20K to her base. And that doesn't happen all the time. She happened to, at that point, you know, be in a space that was really in demand. But what I'm trying to illustrate here is the power. of leveraging multiple job offers at the same time. So when I coach in negotiating, that's one of the first things I do is, how can we get some excitement around you? How can we show that you are in demand? And one of the best ways to do that is by getting those additional opportunities and getting those um, other offers. And not to knock the nonprofit sector, But actually to knock. Yeah, I'll go ahead and knock them because I think the nonprofit sector gets away with giving the perception that they pay terrible and they like that because they attract people who are not going to negotiate so hard because they think, oh, nonprofits don't pay that much anyway. So I should just be grateful. No, 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 no. Some of these nonprofits are hella funded. Okay, they have hella cash on hand they can afford to negotiate. So I think that should give you an extra boost of confidence that even though it's a good, it's a profession that's doing good, and you're helping people, and it's a nonprofit, and it gives back, it's still a business, okay? And you are still worth what you're worth. So don't feel bad about getting competing offers and going to even a nonprofit and saying, I've got other offers on the table, what are y'all gonna do? You know, So I hope that that is helpful. Um, And your last question here, what does it mean when a salary range is not posted in a job offer? It means you live in America where it's trash. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Now, um, right now, it's not a requirement in most of the country for jobs to list the salary range in the job offer. So a lot of times you're kind of going in blind and you're expected to guess what a appropriate salary range would be. But because they put you in this position where um, they can ask you, okay, what's your expected salary range? And by they, I mean, like the recruiter, or the hiring manager. I always coach women, don't give a number, you can deflect, deflect, deflect. So I offer, I think in that scripts guide that you have, there's a bunch of scripts that I offer several that are particular to this exact question what do you say when a recruiter asks you, what is your salary range? So the key is to deflect and tell them that you just don't feel comfortable discussing. And then you can ask them, hey, if you have a a particular range in mind for this role or a budget set aside, I'd be interested to know. Okay, that being said, in some states, it is now required for companies to offer the salary range in their job posting. So um, especially with jobs that are for national companies, so companies that are hiring across the nation, they may have job postings in some states like Colorado and what other ones, New York, I want to say you can Google it, you may find a job listing in the state where it is required and be able to see the salary range there, just as a, you know, as as some info. Um to give you a bit of a heads up as to what the range could be. Um, but that's what that means. They don't have to actually give it to you in most of the country. And unfortunately, all the power is in their hands unless we make it different. All right? Thank you so much, Soraya, for your question. And all of our BA fam, thank you for your questions. I can't wait to take more of them. Again, hit us up. We are brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our IG and slide into our DMs with your questions there. We are at Brown Ambition Podcast on the gram. And I will see y'all next week, hopefully with my partner in crime back in the hot seat. Feel better, Tiffany. Sending you love.